What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, as well as on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, check it out. Go subscribe. I'd appreciate it. Thanks for making Locked on Blazers your first listen every single day. It's free on all platforms, five days a week, coming at you every single weekday. The only Daily Trailblazers podcast. So get on board and tell your friends to do the same. In today's show, we're talking trade deadline. This is Friday's show, and the trade deadline was Thursday. A whole lot of action happened. None of it included the Trailblazers. The Blazers already made their moves last week, and we'll talk about where they're headed. But let's open the show talking about some fireworks, a a legitimately massive, massive, you know, league-altering trade that maybe we saw coming. Certainly, we we've discussed it in in kind uh, or discussed its like its specifics in a previous show, yesterday's show. Ben Simmons, along with old friend Seth Curry, headed to the Brooklyn Nets in exchange for James Harden, Paul Millsap. Nets get a couple first round picks out of the deal, and you could make a case that both teams got better. For my money, this is a better deal for Brooklyn. Uh, James Harden wanted to get out of there, played his way out of there, maybe threw a fit his way, his way out of there as he's becoming very good at man's elite, elite at get, going to a specific city. Uh, he's becoming, it's becoming a great skill of his great in isolation and great isolating himself with a certain team until he gets to go, uh, play somewhere else, play in a new city. Uh, I think, I think Brooklyn got better in the long term, in the near term, maybe a little bit worse. They're still without Kevin Garnett. Or Kevin Garnett. They're definitely without Kevin Garnett. He hasn't been a Brooklyn Net in a while. But without Kevin Durant, uh, who has a MCL sprain and is out indefinitely. Kyrie Irving is, by the city of New York rule, not allowed to play home games. That could change, I guess, in the, in the nearish future. But uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen this week. And uh, Ben Simmons hasn't played basketball in since June. Um, <laughs> so they got a long way to go. But that seems good, and Ben Simmons fits that team better because he doesn't have to be the second offensive guy. He doesn't even have to be the third offensive guy. He can just do what he does, um, run a variety of pick and rolls, play some defense, and avoid shooting in the fourth quarter like all hell while Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant take over. The Nets are kind of a mess. They're an eighth in the East right now, but I think uh, it's hard to know with, like what the deal is with Kyrie's vaccination status and what that means, what that will mean heading into the playoffs, but if Kevin Durant's healthy and you got Ben Simmons, uh, they also got uh, Andre Drummond in that deal. I didn't mention him, but I should have. Big, important part, uh, he becomes probably the best center on their roster, unless it's Ben Simmons who's actually the best center on their roster. Like, the Nets are good. This is, this was a championship-level team yesterday. They were a championship-level team that's maybe a little better. Just a better fit, better fit. Better defenders, uh, more switchable defense. Just this is a, The Nets are re- going to be really, really good. They're going to be really, really good if all three of their best players were healthy. They're going to be really, really good if all three of their best new players are healthy and Ben Simmons fits there. I think it's reasonable to think that it's going to take Simmons a little while to get going. And his warts will still come out in the playoffs, but no superstar could better complement Ben Simmons' specific warts than someone who can just go score the way that Durant can. And if you were to pick another guy, it'd probably be Kyrie Irving right up there, if not the departed James Harden. On on Philly's side, like, this, this is a risk. You know, you're giving up draft picks. You're giving up Seth Curry, who's been really, really good for them. Um, I called him the second best player on their team not too long ago on this very podcast. It may have been too hot of a take because Tobias Harris played really well since I said that. Um, but it's, 
you know, he's good. And, and Andre Drummond takes a little bit of their depth away uh, behind Joel Embiid. But, it really, on, you know, it clears some way for my man B-Ball Paul to play. So maybe it's a maybe it's a blessing in disguise. But, like, James Harden at his peak is, you know, he's an all-star this year and is deserving all-star. He's been, you know, he's, he's been fine. He just, he's been loafing a little bit. And if he stops loafing and gets himself in, let's say, um, playoff shape, he's going to be good because the... Joel Embiid is an MVP. If they stagger those minutes and every single minute that Joel Embiid's on the bench, if James Harden's in the court, Philly's going to be really, really good. And this was the biggest trade in years at the deadline. It just a massive, massive, massive trade. Um, you know, two two All Stars, uh, James Harden. You know, like a Hall of Famer, Ben Simmons was maybe on Hall of Fame track. I can't imagine him making the Hall of Fame now, but like maybe on Hall of Fame track prior to whatever went wrong in the summertime for him. Um, Two very, very, very good players. Two very good teams. Two teams that could that. Oh, if we're lucky, dear listener, if we're lucky, they'll face each other in the playoffs. But my takeaway from this is one: fun player movement, pretty fun. This particular trade, fun. Um, two takeaways: one, this is bad news for the Blazers. We'll talk about this at the end of the show. But if the Blazers were going to get Ben Simmons, they kind of needed him to still be on the 76ers. Uh, I think that dream died now that he's now that he's a net. You never know. <laughs> you never know. But I think. It would have been better news for the Blazers if Ben Simmons did not get traded today. Him getting traded today, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, it's probably bad. It's probably bad news. Uh, the Blazers would, you know, have some flexibility to absorb a Ben Simmons type, a disgruntled player on a big contract. Um, someone else was able to get there before the Blazers got to the su- got to summertime, where they're going to have all that flexibility. Um, the F word. We're going to use the F word a lot in this show, and I apologize for it um, because I think it's a kind of meaningless thing that GMs say, but it's it's what the Blazers have. They have some flexibility. My other takeaway from this is that bad news for the Blazers, but the East playoffs are going to be wild. The East playoffs are going to be wild. Uh, Miami Heat, still really good, have not been healthy for any consistent period of time. The Boston Celtics have taken off recently and are really good. The Sixers got probably got better today. They got better because James Harden plays and Ben Simmons doesn't. I think that's fair. Even losing uh, Drummond and Seth Curry. Uh, the the Sixers' second best player is a guy who can score. That's so much more valuable than what uh, Simmons was as, as the Sixers' best, second best player in the past. Just just a better sort of system fit. Uh, the Celtics have been just on a tear recently and added Derek White in exchange for guys who don't really play. Um I mean, Josh Richardson plays and has been fine, but he's he's not like a starter or, or he's not typically even a closer. I think Derek White plays in closing lineups. I think that team can be awesome on defense. The Raptors, uh, they, you know, they didn't make they didn't make major 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 moves, but they got Thad Young in exchange for Goran Dragic. Like they they got better. Uh, I think Gorn, again, this is like Goran Dragic doesn't play. Thad Young could play. The Raptors good and will be right there. Brooklyn, uh, you know, in eighth place, they're going to be, they're going to be right in the hunt. The Milwaukee Bucks, a very good basketball team. They're going to be right in the hunt. Like the East playoffs are going to be good. The Bulls, if they ever get fully healthy, really good and right in the hunt. Like there's just the, every, it's shaping up that basically every series of, of the playoffs in the East are going to be awesome. And today really set that up and they set up some really, really intriguing, really fun matchups. I'm super, super, super excited. The other big sort of earth shattering, and by that I mean like mild earthquake uh, trade is the Dallas Mavericks gave up on Chris Stapp's Porzingis. The Chris Stapp's experiment, the KP experiment is over. Talk about a failed trade. 
a bunch of draft picks and Dennis Smith Jr. to the Knicks to get Chris Porzingis, to give him a max contract, to have him be your cornerstone, and you trade him for Spencer Denwitty and Davis Bertans, two players that I would rate as bad. They're bad basketball players. Davis Bertans wasn't always bad, but he's been bad this year, and Spencer Dinwiddie has just not been good this year. He's bad, bad, capital B, bad. Uh, but, you know, Chris Epps hasn't been playing. The Mavericks have been really good without him. I think it was time to just, like, move on without him. And in the first game without Chris Epps, Lucas scores 51. Finally free of, I guess, the Latvian anchor. Or Lucas is really good and was due for one of these. But um, notable because I think the Mavericks got... I think they they got two bad players. I <laughs> think they got two bad players on long-term contracts. Um, they needed more people who could dribble... Spencer Dinwiddie can dribble, but he cannot score. But he's into cryptocurrency, so he'll get along with uh, he'll get along with Mark Cuban. The other like trades of note, most you know, most of the stuff already happened. Like the Clippers and and the Blazers deal, the Clippers got better. Norman Powell and Robert Covey to make the Clippers better in the West. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans got better. Get, getting C. Getting C. J. McCollum makes them better. Like I don't, I don't think you can debate that. The Nuggets didn't do anything. They stood pat. They're gonna be, you know, they're gonna be right there. The Suns didn't do anything. I mean, they added, they added Aaron Holiday and Torrey Craig, but those are two guys at the end of the end of the rotation. Not a hundred percent certain either of those would play. Either of those gentlemen would play in the playoffs. And the Suns are the best team in the NBA, and it doesn't matter. You know, the Jazz already made their move. They got Nikhil Alexander Walker. Or they saved $11 million. <laughs> Take your pick. Take your pick on how you want to pitch what the Jazz did. But like the top of the West didn't didn't shake up. What happened was the bottom. New Orleans, New Orleans and the and and the Clippers got they have improved. And the Kings have improved. Getting DeMontis Sabonis uh puts the Kings in a position to chase the play-in. Uh they also traded today Marvin Bagley in a part of a four-team deal, and they got Dante DiVincenzo from the Bucs, DiVincenzo has struggled. Uh, I really liked DiVincenzo last year, but since coming back from the injury, he has not been as good. Uh, you'll remember, maybe you won't remember, that the Kings almost had Dante DiVincenzo last year, but there was that whole tampering thing with uh, Bogdanovich, and then Bogey didn't even end up with the uh, the Bucks. He ended up going to the Hawks, and the Bucks got lost a doctor second-round pick, and they kept DiVincenzo, blah, blah, blah. They also won the championship, and DiVincenzo wasn't involved because he broke his foot. But... The Kings are a little better. The Kings are a little better. I don't really, I don't, I don't really get exactly what the Kings are doing, but they added better players. Getting Dante Divincenzo in exchange for Marvin Bagley um, helps. I'm, I'm not a big fan of ditching Tyrese Halliburton for Demontis Sabonis, but the Kings are going for it. And then the other notable news, like the bottom of the West is going to go for it. The Blazers have basically no chance of making the playoffs. They're not going to. It was a, it was a little bit worrisome that the that the Blazers were going to fall into the play in um, the play in round like two weeks ago. They were going to be in the play in tournament like two weeks ago. They have you know since then they've traded away five regular players out of their rotation and other teams below them in the standings. New Orleans and Sacramento have like committed to chasing the play in. Great news for the Blazers. They're going to keep their lottery-protected pick. They're going to miss the playoffs. Um, they were going to do that anyways, but the other teams guaranteed that they would. And the other notable things that happened was in large markets, bad teams, the Los Angeles Lakers, didn't do anything, literally nothing. And the New York Knicks, literally nothing. Zero moves from the Lakers and the Knicks. Nada at the whole deadline. Those two teams headed the headed the wrong way. The I'll remind you that the Lakers last season, before LeBron James hurt his ankle, were the best team in the West. They were really good. And then they fell to seventh in the West, and 
they mocked <laughs> they did a mo- they mocked the Suns while Andre Drummond was posting up and they've been cursed ever since. That little mock post up or Andre Drummond mocked the Suns while LeBron was posting up, but the mock post up, it cursed the Lakers. They've been bad. <laughs> They've been bad ever since. They didn't do anything standing pat at the trade deadline. Uh, the, the Blazers made a bunch of moves. They're one of the teams that really, really went for it, but they didn't do anything today. So what I want to talk about in the second segment is where do the Blazers stand after today? Uh, I, I think the East is going to be really fun. I think the bottom of the West decided to go for it, and the top of the West largely didn't change very much. And so that leaves the Blazers who are below the bottom half of the West. They're just, they're one of the bad teams in the league intentionally. So, so where do they stand after the dust has settled on the trade deadline? Let's talk about that. But first, let me tell you about betonline.net. It's a big betting weekend. This is Friday's show. So if you listen to this before Sunday, well, guess what? This is the Super Bowl. That's a big old football game. The championship to decide who is the best team in the national football league. It's a great Great event to bet on. All types of props, all types of odds. You can do live in-game betting. Obviously, you can bet a million different ways before the game starts. But if you don't want to bet on the Super Bowl, you don't want to bet on football, you can bet on pro and college hoops. You can bet on hockey. You can bet on all the Olympic events. You can bet on combat sports. You can bet on soccer. You name it. They got it at betonline.net. So why don't you head on over there today and check it out? That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Today's show is also brought to you by Gresham Family Law. When you're faced with a big decision that could affect your family and your future, remember that you don't have to face it alone. Gresham Family Law has your back. From helping you prepare for a successful marriage, to protecting your home, to preserving your legacy, and ensuring that your last wishes are honored with respect, Gresham Family Law is proud to provide holistic family law representation and counsel in areas of family law, including divorce, custody, probate of wills, estate planning, and bankruptcy. So call Gresham Family Law right now. That's 503-465-9900. And you can set up an in-person consultation at their location at 1217 Northeast Burnside Road in Gresham, or you can set up a socially distanced consultation, either via Zoom or over the telephone. Home visits are also available for certain types of clients and certain types of cases. Visit GreshamFamilyLaw.com for more information. All right, let's keep it rolling on this post-deadline show. The Blazers didn't make any moves. Um, they already made their moves. Last week, you know, a week ago, they traded Norman Powell and Robert Covington for a somewhat underwhelming haul. Then, earlier this week, they traded CJ McCollum and Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell to the New Orleans Pelicans. They waived, uh, they waived Cody Zeller. They've, they have... They made their moves beforehand, but but today was a chance for them to maybe make some other moves. Like there was, there's been a lot of speculation about um, Eric Bledsoe's future with the team. You know, he wasn't on any of the Clippers injury reports. He shows up in Portland. He's magically on uh, all of the Blazers injury reports. He's being held out for an inflamed Achilles and, uh, you know, not even dressing out for games, not even available in emergency situations. He has a partially guaranteed contract for just under $4 million next year, and he's currently making $18 million. So he's, you know, he's conceivably could be part of a trade. Uh, $20 million bucks is about, that you think of that as about the going rate for a starter in the league. And maybe Bledsoe plus stuff could have netted the Blazers something. He didn't go anywhere. I think there was some speculation, not on this podcast. I think we were pretty clear here that Yusuf Nurkic wasn't getting traded. But I think around the league, like if you're listening to maybe more national coverage and, and other other spots, um, 
I don't think I really heard it locally very often, but uh, that Nurk could get traded. But I think that's that wasn't really in the cards, and certainly the Blazers did not make that move. I think there was some thought that Josh Hart, who was he- who you know flew five hours across country and then didn't play in the Blazers game uh, on Wednesday evening, there was some speculation that you know maybe this is a little bit suspicious and they're going to trade him too. And certainly, I'm I'm sure that the Blazers listened to offers for or discussed offers for like literally literally every non Damon Lord player. And and hell, they probably even listened, like someone calls them and says, what's the package for Dame? Not interested, talk later. Bye. Like everybody. So but the but the the like what didn't happen here is that the Blazers didn't move Eric Bledsoe. They didn't move uh, any of the assets they had acquired. And real quick on those assets they acquired, I screwed something up yesterday's show. I said that the Blazers didn't acquire picks in twenty six and twenty seven second round picks in the swap with uh, New Orleans, the trade with New Orleans. I was wrong about that. I misread the press release and it was uh, corrected by someone uh, today. And I appreciate their correction. Uh, useful to get this stuff right. I make mistakes on this podcast relatively often, but usually I say fourth quarter when I meet third quarter, or I say rebounds when I meet assists. Those errors, I apologize for. I don't want to make mistakes, but that's, it's a solo show. Sometimes I'm just, I'm free-flowing. I say the wrong thing, but I don't want to give you the straight-up wrong information. So here's the correction on those picks. In the trade with the New Orleans Pelicans, the Blazers did indeed acquire two second-round picks, a 2026 second-round pick that they owed to the Pelicans uh, in the Greg Brown trade comes back to the Blazers, and in 2027, the the Blazers just straight-up get the Pelicans pick. So, in fact, now in both of those, in 2026, the Blazers have a pick where they didn't, and now in 2027, they have two second-rounders. That's not going to come up for a while. It's probably not going to mean anything to you, but I wanted to get it right. The Blazers did get extra second-round picks, and that gives them a little around the draft. Having future second-rounders allows you to make moves a little bit easier easier. Those are good things to acquire in a trade. So my bad. That's a mea culpa. My bad. I, I, I apologize for getting that wrong. And I hope if you were losing sleep over that or a little bit confused, now you know. The Blazers do indeed have some surplus second round picks. One other thing uh, on the Blazers front is that they went for it. In fact, Joe Cronin spoke to the media after... Um, after the trade deadline passed, they had a little a press conference. I don't know if they were calling it a press chat, but press conference for my money. Um, and he he said, like, you know, the Blazers, they tried to chase some stars today. They tried to make some more deals and it just didn't just didn't come up. Like he mentioned, you know, that he he said a lot of sort of the right things like, oh, we're excited about all these young players, we're excited about the direction. But also just like we knew we needed to tear down this roster because it wasn't good enough and we had stagnated and we wanted to get better and we realized that we'd kind of plateaued with this group and plateaued with that group that was, uh, he said, built around a certain coach. It's kind of BS to me because this roster was built in the summertime with Chauncey Billups in mind. Certainly some of the parts were built with Terry Stotts in mind, but not Larry Nance Jr. who they traded, not Norman Powell who they re-signed. It's a bogus excuse. (laughs) It just didn't work out for him. It wasn't. Um, and he's the new GM. He He's he's torn down what Nolshe did. It's totally maybe the right approach. I don't even maybe. It's totally the right approach is to put your stamp on it. The Blazers needed drastic change. I would have maybe gone a drastic change a little different than, than the Blazers have gone. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But um, they needed a drastic change. I'm glad they made a change. Maybe not 
these changes maybe doesn't excite me very much. But one name that the Blazers chased, and this is reporting from James Edwards of The Athletic. James is a wonderful writer, one of the best beat writers in America. Uh, if you don't already subscribe to The Athletic to read the work of Jason Quick, so if you or if you do, read James Edwards on the Pistons. Really, really good. He, did, he wrote a story that published shortly after the trade deadline passed about uh, the pursuit of Jeremy Grant. And the Blazers have been linked to Jeremy Grant for months and months and months. And according to James Edwards' reporting, they were the most aggressive team in the pursuit of Jeremy Grant on deadline day. The problem is the Pistons were asking for two first round picks and a young and or a young player that could be part of their future core. The Blazers basically have two guys who fit that description. Nazir Little and Amphrey Simons. Blazers aren't going to trade those gentlemen right now, and certainly not for a caliber. He's not going to trade Amphrey Simons for a caliber of player of Jeremy Grant. And I wouldn't, and I'm glad the Blazers didn't, trade Nas, who who might end up being, you know, could project as good as Jeremy Grant into the future for sure for Jeremy Grant. I wouldn't trade two first-round picks for Jeremy Grant. I don't think he's that good. I think he's fine. I think he'd be a good I think on a really good team, Jeremy Grant as your fourth best player makes you a very good team. You're a very good team and Jeremy Grant's your fourth best player. If you're trying to build a uh, championship quality team in Portland and locking Jeremy Grant into something that looks like your second or third best player, you are putting an unnecessary ceiling. He's just not for me. Would he help this team? Yes. Would it be a massive upgrade? Yes. Is he the guy you want to cash in two first round picks for? To me, that's a hell nah. That, that is a that is truly uh, for longtime listeners, for longtime listeners. That is a that is a true reverend. That is a hell no, nah. um, not for me. Uh, maybe for you. Maybe for other people. Not for me. Not not for me. But the asking price of two first round picks and a, and and a young player that could be part of the Pistons core obviously too steep for where the Blazers are at today. Thus, no trade. So the Blazers pursuing some bigger fish and decided not to do it. I think that's some useful restraint. So what? Where did the that's what happened. That's what. That's kind of what the Blazers didn't do. They're left with moving forward, um, quite a roster, very imbalanced. If if you were th- thought the roster was imbalanced earlier in the season, um, they have gone. They have even further imbalanced it. It doesn't really matter. They're trying to be bad. Having a totally wonky roster is does not matter. But the Blazers are going to move forward with the starting lineup. That's Anthony Simons, Ben McLemore, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, and Yusuf Nurkic. Like, that's your end-of-the-year starting lineup. You're going to get a lot of Dennis Smith Jr. Remains to be seen, but if he's if he's on the roster and active, I think Eric Bledsoe is going to have to play just because he's, like, good. He's probably better than Dennis Smith. Um, I had this debate with someone uh, someone on, on press row earlier this week. Uh, he, this person was convinced that Bledsoe was better, and I said, I don't know. Um, but... Dennis Smith Jr. That was before Dennis Smith Jr. had 11 assists and six steals, so maybe we'll revisit that. Going to see a lot of C.J. Ellaby. Going to see a lot of Greg Brown. Hopefully, just play Greg Brown a bunch. Going to see a lot of uh, Trenton Watford for sure. Uh, then the end of the bench is kind of curious. Keon Johnson, who the Blazers acquired from the Clippers, he still is dealing with an ankle injury. You're not going to see him till at least after the All Star break, and we'll see what happens with him. Elijah Hughes, a six five wing, who the Blazers who the Blazers acquired from Utah in the, in the trade that uh, got them Joe Ingles and a, and a second round pick from the Jazz. Uh, Ingles is not going to play. He's probably never going to show up in Portland. Thirty uh, four year old coming off an ACL tear. I know Joe Cronin mentioned his bird rights. They're happy to have him. I bet you are, Lioness Joe. <laughs> Uh, Cronin's never or Cronin's coming here. Uh, Ingles never coming here. Don't buy it. Um, Elijah Hughes. We'll see if he plays. Kelgen Blevins. He of the two big three pointers against the Lakers. We'll see if he plays. And that's kind of it. 
Uh, Didi Luzada, we'll see what um, if he's if, how he is involved with the Blazers going forward. They just don't have a lot of bigs. They got a lot of six five dudes. Um, that's fine. Whatever it is, like they're trying to be bad and they're going to be bad. The Blazers do not have a ton of guys on the roster for next season. Like they just, you know, Ant is entering free agency. Ben McMore is entering free agency. Nurk. Dennis Smith Jr., C.J. Ellaby, Trenton Watford, Elijah Hughes, Kelgen Blevins, uh, Joe Ingles, all entering free agency. That's basically Nas, Dame, Didi Luzada, Greg Brown, the partially guaranteed contract of Eric Bledsoe that I can't imagine the Blazers pick up, Justice Winslow and Josh Hart. That's it. Hart, Winslow, Dame, Nas, Keon Johnson, and Greg Brown. That's, that's who's on the roster for next season. Uh, they got a long way to go from here to whatever that is. And that's what I want to talk about to close the show. What What is that? Where do they go? Like I said, I I maybe wouldn't have chosen this path, but this is the path the Blazers chose. So let's, let's talk about where they are and how the hell they get to the other side and what the other side even looks like. But first, let me tell you about Shopify. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform to start run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts and startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. They can synchronize online sales with in-person sales and they can effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. And look, Shopify helps you on that journey and helps you take from first sale to full scale. So why don't you check out Shopify right now? It's powering millions of businesses and can help yours too. Check out shopify.com today. Today's show is also brought to you by Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. That's what they're doing. They're making delicious protein bars. They're not faking the funk. They're bringing the heat, baby, like cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie or salted caramel or coconut almond, all delicious flavors. And your typical... Your typical Bilt Bar, it's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 5 grams of net carbs, and 4 grams of sugar. Packing a punch, all tasty, all healthy. Go get yourself some. Go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond, you're still listening to Locked on Blazers. We talked about who the Blazers have left. What are they doing, you might ask? And I think that's the question. I think the the vision is clear. I think the vision is clear. I don't think like the what are they doing is is easy to suss out. How are they going to do it is the really tricky part. So what are they doing? Let's 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 if it's easy to suss out, let us do that now. The Blazers are prioritizing flexibility. They're prioritizing a chance to be bad now. They have a lottery-protected first-round pick that they owe to the Chicago Bulls. Very important for them to miss the playoffs. They've set up a team that is not talented enough to make the playoffs. They're going to check that box. They also are owed a pick from the New Orleans Pelicans that if the Pels miss the playoffs and they do not get a top-four pick, if it's between pick five and pick 14 in the NBA draft, New Orleans Pelicans will send their pick to the Blazers. Portland has a very realistic path to having two top 10 picks in the NBA draft, two lottery picks in the NBA draft this summer, and somewhere between about 15 and $30 million in cap space. The free agent class in 2022 is extremely underwhelming. So the Blazers are not um, stockpiling cap space in order to 
sign free agents. They're not going to sign a, They're not going to sign Zach Levine. They're not going to sign DeAndre Ayton. They're not going to sign Brad Beal in free agency. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Um, I, I'm not even like. I'm not sourced reporting that. I'm giving you just a lot. I'm logicing it out. That's not going to happen. There's no chance. <laughs> if you need, if you need me to say per sources, I'll say it right now. Per sources, the Blazers aren't going to sign no damn Zach Levine and Brad Beal with their offseason cap space. What they're going to do is try to make an imbalanced trade. And that's why it was so important that Ben Simmons didn't get traded today. It was really important that Ben Simmons didn't get traded today. The best case scenario for the Blazers is that Ben Simmons doesn't go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn and Philly stall out. And uh, James Harden, who's thrown a fit and has a player option for this summer, decides to opt out of his... um, Opt out, enter free agency, and go to. And he's like, "I'm going to Philly." Daryl, make it happen. And you know how Daryl makes it happen in this scenario is he calls the Blazers and he said, "Wow, shit, y'all win. You have the space to take Simmons and the Blazers with their cap space and with their picks to facilitate and with a couple young players or a couple or the, or, you know, the partially guaranteed deal of of uh, Eric Bledsoe, whatever it may be. In this scenario, like they facilitate that trade, they absorb Ben Simmons' contract." But that didn't happen. Ben Simmons is Brooklyn, where he's under contract for four more years, and the, and the Nets are going to go for it with him. And uh, you know that that Daryl Morey and James Harden talked a whole bunch. He's going to sign an extension and stay there. Um, he'll probably sign an extension and force his way to another city eventually. But like, they're boys. They were this. This was orchestrated behind the scenes by Morey and and Harden's people. Uh, I can't wait for the tampering charges to be filed by filed by the Brooklyn Nets, but uh, it's that was the best scenario for the Blazers. So now the scenario is maybe they end up with $30 million in cap space, or maybe it behooves them to operate as above the cap team eventually, but they have that flexibility that if they want to have a bunch of money and a bunch of open roster spots to make a big splash trade, whether that's around the draft or into July as teams reshuffle, the Blazers have that flexibility to do so. And you could sit here and say, that's the plan, right? That's the plan. That is very obviously the plan. I think that's, it's it's very, very clear. If nothing else, Joe Cronin has made that plan straightforward. Like you can just see it. You can see it. The team sucks. It's filled with guards. They're being, they're bad on purpose. They don't have many players under, under contract for next season. They're, they're, they're going to keep them moving. Uh, that's clear. But how is the question? And I don't see a necessarily easy how. You could sell me on it if Simmons was still a sixer. But now what you're waiting for is another star to become disgruntled or another star to become unsettled, maybe, as opposed to disgruntled, or or a team to flame out in the playoffs and decide that they need a new direction. And I will say this, between now and the draft, and then again in free agency, a lot can happen, a lot can change. That's, that's, you know... uh, two whatever roster reconstruction windows they're going to open and close and allow the Blazers to make their move. Joe Cronin has 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 done this. He has made a roster that need that is going to fit his first goal. And he's going to chase what's next. But what's next is so hard. What Joe Cronin did today and he admitted as much in his press conference with the media in Portland, this is the easy part. He did the easy part. He tore this thing down. It is so easy in the NBA to tear things down, to give stuff away and to get assets and young players and hope, to get 
um, to trade Norman Powell, and the best thing he get back is Justice Winslow and Keon Johnson. Justice Winslow looks like he'd be a helpful player, but he wouldn't start on most teams in the league, and Norman Powell averaged 18 a game and 40% three-point shooting. That's incredibly valuable on a whole bunch of teams. Justice Winslow guarded LeBron James pretty well in a game where the Lakers looked like crap. I don't even think Justice Winslow's bad, but it's easy to acquire guys like him who haven't panned out and maybe can get a second and third and fourth shot than it is to acquire real bona fide stars. In order to compete for a championship or even sniff a championship, the Blazers need all-NBA level talent. You can talk yourself into Damian Lillard showing up in camp next summer as an all-NBA level talent. He should have been that this year if he had been healthy. He would have been. Uh, Father Time will eventually catch up. I'm guessing that it won't catch up with Damian October. You could probably talk yourself into if you're really, really squint and you really, really believe that Anthony Simons is an all-star level guard. I probably won't join you on that journey, but I don't think he's crazy far away from that. He's a darn good player. But for the Blazers to truly compete, they need another player much closer to Damian Lillard's level. And the path from here where they are now to that, to a second All-NBA level player, is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly challenging. Tearing it down, getting flexibility, becoming elastic, becoming fluid, becoming flexible. Simple. Simple. Most most accomplished GMs with a you know strong understanding of the trade rules and stuff in the league could get here, could get to this step. The next step is foggier today than it was yesterday after the Harden and Simmons trade. Now, we're a long way away. It's February 10th, and we're we're talking about August 10th. We're a, that's a full six months. We are a long way away from passing judgment on what happens with the Blazers. I'm not passing judgment. I am merely saying that from my vantage point where I sit, that path seems challenging. Cronin wouldn't commit in his meeting with the media today that they were going to be chasing championships he said the plan is to be good sooner rather than later and certainly when you have Damon Lord who's going to th- turn 32 years old in July sooner is a, a priority right like these are the final years of his prime if, if if you believe that that still exists or maybe he's LeBron James and he'll be good until he's 37 uh like it, the, the clock's ticking on how good this iteration of the Blazers can be and in Cronin's defense if this doesn't work, he has not committed himself to a point where he's all in in one direction. He has, like I've said a bunch of times on the show this week, twin paths. He could tear it down and Dame, he could get rid of Dame and then you know build around Ant and have all this space and young parts and blah, blah, blah. They're not going to do that. Dame's in on the plan. I don't know if I've said that clearly enough in this podcast. Dame is in on this plan. He's been in on the plan for a long time. He's always had a say and a a seat in personnel moves. I don't think he gets to pick out players. Like, I don't think he gets to say, I'll take uh, one Keon Johnson and one Elijah Hughes, please. But the idea, like the framework of a trade, we're going to trade CJ McCollum. The main thing we're going to get back from a CJ McCollum trade is a good role player in Josh Hart and a lottery pick. Those are the two things we're after. Not an all-star player, but a good role player. You know, a guy who could start and play and a lottery pick. Dame understands the framework. That is right there for him, and he's approving that. None of this stuff happened caught Damian Lillard by surprise. In fact, Damian Lillard's people might have helped Joe Cronin straight up orchestrate this whole plan. That's how this works. So I don't think the Blazers are going to like suddenly pivot and trade Dame, but the Blazers have that. That path is available to them. 
but I think their path that they'd like to build is be good with Dame on the roster. And I don't think that is particularly easy. I think you can just sit here today and know that it could happen and we should be patient and let it play out. But seeing the vision, seeing the why is easy. Seeing the how is hard. I think Cronin has shown us the why very clearly, very plainly, and it's it's nice to have a GM who has a clear plan. I mean, Neil Olshay had a clear plan too. Just like be mediocre forever and really commit to it. And if anyone questions you, like trumpet how mediocre you are. Um, and, and by that, I mean, talk about championships when you know you're the sixth best team. Um, it's, it, it's nice to have a, a it's nice to have a new face in there um, just because the Blazers needed need to freshen up this whole thing. I'm glad that they moved on from uh, Damon CJ pairing. I'm glad that they have in some ways totally charted another course. But the course is not clean. And the challenge for Joe Cronin is to land this ship somewhere. Are they going to be... Me- like, a two-year plan to get good seems like it doesn't make sense to, to be as good as... You know, to be... Okay, we're bad again, a full year being bad with Damian Lillard on the roster and then try to try to get it pumping again when Dame's 33. I think they got to go for it this summer. I think they got to like I think they really have to if they're committed to doing this with Damian Lillard. And like this means like attempting to win an NBA title. I think they got to go for it this summer. If the plan is to slowly if and if Dame's cool with this, if to slowly let Dame, you know, reach the off-ramp and build into the next era of the Blazers with Dame on the roster, then there's a lot less urgency. But I can't imagine Dame Lillard is comfortable with that. The whole idea he was preaching all last July was a real chance to really go for it. And if he's in on this plan, which I'm certain that he is, I don't think that's changed. He wants to go for it again. And so go, going for it means acquiring high-level talent. And the Blazers' path to getting high-level talent, while obvious that it will come in the, via the trade market and via you know moving around draft picks, it doesn't seem super clear. It's going to be a challenge. And the trades today made it, you know, the, the big trade today made it slightly more challenging because the obvious name that was right in front of you got sent somewhere else before the Blazers could strike. It's going to be a fascinating next six months. Part of me is thankful we're past the trade deadline. The other, Another part of me is like, enjoys the player movement side of the NBA and it will, we'll miss this. But we're headed for the stretch run. Blazers are going to do a lot of losing. We will, uh, we'll talk about all those games. We'll look ahead to sort of what's next for the Blazers. Uh, soon enough, we'll shift into draft mode and all those things. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. Lockdown Blazers ain't going anywhere just because we're after the trade deadline. The Blazers are heading in, heading to the All-Star break as a bad team, an intentionally bad team. We're just getting started, baby. Much like Joe Cronin. Getting here was easy. And now we'll push forward with what's next. So tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers on whatever platform, and you'll find us right there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.